Well, I'm really glad to be with you all for week four in this series we're calling Unstuck. I think it's fair to say, since we've been just looking at this one particular passage, this one story in the Bible, I think it's fair to say that this story is one of the most epic stories, maybe in all the Bible. And in fact, it's so epic that not just Bible students and Bible scholars study this story, but if you look around, you'll find that historians, archaeologists, scientists even, are looking at this story, trying to figure out what it's all about. Did it really happen? If it did happen, how did it happen? Where did it happen? And for us, I think, why did it happen? And here is what is truly epic about the story, because this is week four, so for three weeks we've been looking at the story, and I think what we found out is this, that this story is so much more than just a miracle. Week one, in fact, we started there looking at kind of how we fit into the story if we were looking at the principles and the things that were done and shown in the story. And we realized that it often takes us getting into a tight place, a stuck place, a a dead end, so that we can reach the point of desperation. And then at that point, we recognize that just coming to the Red Sea is as much a part of the story as going through the Red Sea. Week two, we took that a step further and we began to see what it was that when we find ourselves stuck, when we're, we're really just hemmed in on all sides, there's really just one way to look and that, that is up. We have to begin thinking that there has to be something more than ourselves that is going to get us out of that. And if we try to be the hero of our story instead of letting that one God be the hero, that's probably not okay. And then finally, last week, we looked at the, the, the big picture of this whole story, right? And we realized that the point of all of it was Jesus. Jesus can, Jesus does for us and with us what we cannot do for ourselves. He alone saves. If we will just stand still and look to him, we saw last week that he even said he will fight for us. Now what's really incredible about that is those three weeks previous all have happened and we still haven't even seen the Red Sea part. But there's good news. Today is the day. We finally arrive at that part of the story in Exodus 14 that so many of us know, that's so familiar to us. God is about to do a miracle like nothing that had ever been seen before. But I want to say this, because as we look at this, because it's familiar to us and it's, it's something that we know and understand, we've, we've looked at, probably heard sermons on, seen maybe Bible story lessons or Sunday school lessons if you grew up in church. Here, here's a word of caution, and I think this is important. As big as this miracle is, as incredible as this miracle is, the story as we've been unfolding it isn't about the miracle. I know it's hard not to be in awe of like an entire sea splitting open, right? Uh, Dry ground being exposed and an entire nation of people kind of marching through the the sea on dry ground. It's hard not to get past that. It's hard not to to lose uh, everything else around that and just be in awe of that. But, But if you only focus on the miracle, you're going to miss what God was trying to do to really help his people. 
And I think it's entirely possible that if you only focus on that incredible moment of a sea splitting open, you might miss what God's trying to do to help you get unstuck today as well. So let's look at it. I want to read the entirety of the text. It's a little lengthy, but I think just getting it all there, we've been building up to it. I just kind of want to share it with us this morning. We start in Exodus 14, verse number 19. And this is what the Bible says. Then the angel of God, who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. It came between the Egyptian and Israelite forces. There was a cloud, there was cloud and darkness. It lit up the night, and neither group came near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with the waters like a wall to them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians set out in pursuit, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, his horsemen, and went into the sea after them. During the morning watch, the Lord looked down at the Egyptian forces with the pillar of the cloud, uh, of fire and cloud, and threw the Egyptian forces into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. Let's get away from Israel, the Egyptians said, because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. The water came back and covered the chariots and horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. But the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground, where the waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, believed in him, and in his servant, Moses. That's the big moment, right? That's the moment that we have seen maybe visually in movies or uh, have read about and heard talked about. It, it was the moment that God did what only God could do. It was the moment where he fought, truly fought for them and rescued them from their enemy, Egypt. God had made that promise to them while they were still back there in Egypt. And now that promise that he would rescue them, deliver them completely from Egypt had come true. They were finally free once and for all from the Egyptians. None of them, the Bible says, survived. None of them. And the Israelites even had the visual opportunity to see all of their dead bodies lying on the seashore. The fear of being stuck was gone. It, 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 the people then not only acknowledged the fact that they're free, but they acknowledged, the Bible says in verse 31, that they feared the Lord and believed in Him. And the one they had just been shaking their fist at in anger, they believed His servant Moses. It really is a powerful moment. I want you to see, though, that in this 
powerful moment, God does a couple of things. In fact, he does a couple of things that are, are new, things that had never, he had never done before. And I, and I want you to see these two things and why they're important today, because I want us to understand that when we get stuck, if we're trusting God, if we're believing him, he is for us. And just as he fought for Israel, he's ready to fight for you as well. And I want you to see that by these two new things we're going to look at here in our text today, we have an opportunity to see God's power and his glory and his love for his people. The first thing we find that is new, that is worth noting, is he moved from the front to the back. Verse 19 again, the, the angel of, the Lord, of God who was going in front of the Israel, uh, Israelite forces moved and went behind him. The pillar of, behind them, the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. We, we first learned about this pillar, if you've been with us in this series, back at the end of chapter 13. At the very end of chapter 13, the Israelites have left Egypt. They're on the move. They're headed out, finally thinking they're free once and for all. And this pillar appears, a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night, the Bible says. And it was always in front of them, kind of leading them, pointing them in the direction. And we learn in chapter 13 that that is where God was dwelling in their presence. They would always see this pillar of cloud. They would always see this pillar of fire. And the Bible in verse 13 says that pillar never left its place in front of the people. And here in chapter uh, 14, verse 19, now we find that God is moving. He's no longer in front of them, but he moves to the rear, to behind them. Now, why would he do that? I think the easiest, most logical explanation is he was moving there to place protection between Israel and Egypt so that Israel could do what he had commanded them to do, which was move forward. He was about to do this miracle. That pillar that had been in front of them, they had never lost sight of. There had to be this moment, right, as it begins to shift and go behind them. What is going on? What does this mean? There probably was some fear, probably some, some wonderment about what, what that meant as far as where they should be going or what God was doing, or maybe even if God was about to leave them. But the truth is God had stationed himself, that pillar of fire because it wasn't night between them and their enemy and he protected them until the sea could be parted until the ground could be dried until the people could get across to safety Israel was going to see God do the impossible but their enemy would not he was going to shield them from seeing what he was doing and where Israel was moving in those moments. It's such a powerful thing. It reminds us of why God is so powerful and how God's glory is on display in these moments. Moving behind the people, he reminds them he is a loving God, caring for, with them, taking care of them. He brought them to that place, and he wasn't going to leave them. He was going to make certain that they had a clear path to move forward. So what about you? What about I? How does that work in our life? How do we see God moving and shifting in our life in those moments for us? Maybe the big question is, well, where are you stuck right now? And what has God been saying to you? Maybe through this series, what has God been challenging you about, about where you are or what you need to do if you're going to get unstuck? 
the, the truth is that we never can forget is that God is working and he's working specifically in your life. But you have to decide. You have to come to some point, some place in your life where, where you will decide whether you will trust him or not. I mean, the truth is, even when we can't see him and don't understand it, do we believe God is, is working? Maybe right now, as even as we've been unpacking the series, you just feel the frustration or maybe the discouragement because you feel the weight of being stuck. You just feel hemmed in and, and you've identified week after week, yeah, I, I feel that, I'm just not sure what to do. Maybe it's time for you to decide that God is working and he hasn't forgot his promises and to rest in them and see what he's going to do. The second new thing isn't new to us, but it was certainly new to them. And that is he parted the Red Sea. Now, I know that doesn't seem like a big deal to us because we've heard the story. But can you put yourself there on the seashore seeing that for the very first time? Verse 21 says it this way. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry ground. So the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on their right and on their left. The power of God on full display as the waters parted left and right, opening a highway to freedom for Israel. Every time I read the story, I'm as amazed by this miracle uh, as if I just read it for the first time. And yet, as we've just said at the beginning of all this, it really wasn't about the miracle. It's hard not to be impressed by what they saw. But they could not forget, they must not forget the one who had done it for them. He did in that moment something no one had ever seen before and no one else could do. Why would he do that? Why, why would he do something so new, so unique for them? Well, I, I think, first of all, as we were talking this week, I, I think that the, the simple thing is because he could. I mean, he's God. He can, he can do what he wants, and he can do it in the ways he wants, so, because he could. And, and then I think the second thing is, is because they had been so far away from God, they had been so isolated in their slavery, so beat down and all that, I think it was important so that he alone would get the glory for it. They had done nothing to save themselves. There was nothing in their power that was put on display of what they had done. God had shielded by moving to the back, the enemy from coming up. God had blown the east wind in, dividing the sea. God had done it all. He alone deserved the glory. And I think at least one more thing that comes to mind as we were thinking through this is, is that they probably needed to realize they were going to have to stay dependent on him. I mean, there's no way that that as you're walking through the sea that you can't stay in awe and say, God, I'm trusting you to get me to the other side. It, it would, And then beyond that, what would happen in the days ahead before they got to the promised land? Would they stay dependent on him? So God did this new thing. It's a powerful moment that changed them forever. This event would not be forgotten throughout the history of Israel. It still is memorialized in our scriptures today. It became a constant reminder to Israel that God could do, that he would get the glory for what he did do, and that they needed to trust him by being dependent on him as their God. 
We read about that in the Psalms. The psalmist would write song after song and they would sing those songs in the worship uh, moments where they would gather together. You can go and find references to the crossing of the Red Sea, the miracle of the Red Sea throughout the Psalms. The, the prophets would preach about this as a reminder to the people as they had strayed away from God. You need to come back. This is a God who can and will and has, and he will again if you will trust him. And so the prophets would hearken them back to this memory. And even in the New Testament, the apostles, as they began to preach the, 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 the message of Jesus to the people and the church was born, this story made its way in. Go and look at Stephen's sermon as he is uh, about to be stoned to death. He preaches that one last sermon and he uses Moses and this picture of Jesus and God's rescue of his people at the Red Sea. It is just that powerful. But you know what is truly incredible is this. He never rescued his people like this again. He did many other things and still does many other things, but like this was never again. Now, I know somebody's going to say, well, what about when Israel came into the promised land? Wasn't there something about the Jordan River? Yes, for sure. When they crossed over into the promised land, God drove the waters back in the Jordan River and they crossed over on dry land. But there was no enemy chasing them then. <laughs> there was nothing in pursuit of them. It was just getting across the river and going home. The rescue that took place here, the rescue here at the Red Sea, really was a one-time event. And I think that's important. Seeing God do these new things and how we process that, that is important. Because if we're not careful, if we get this wrong, if we think about this wrong, that's where we get in trouble. Let me see if I can explain. We, we find ourselves in, in some stuck situation and we feel the desperation set in, set in. We feel ourselves, the isolation of that, the frustration of that. We're wondering, how can I ever get out of this situation? And it's in those moments that we're prone to start asking God stuff like this. Hey, God, if you parted the Red Sea for Israel, can't you do that for me too? Hey, God, can you part this in front of me so I can find a way out? And we start thinking that God's going to do exactly what he did here, that he's going to do this incredible miracle on our behalf like he did on Israel's behalf to free them. And we start kind of conceptualizing this plan in our head where God's going to come into the rescue and just divide the way in front of us and give us that safe, secure path out. And when that doesn't happen, that's where we start wondering. Why won't he do that for us? Or why can't he do that for us? And I want you to know it's not that he can't. It's not even not that he won't. I think that maybe what we have to do is realize that his love for you and I is so powerful. And he's so faithful in loving us and caring for us that maybe what we should be thinking is not that he's going to part another Red Sea for us, but to trust that maybe he's going to do something even better for us. See, so, so when, you, when you feel stuck and you can't see a way forward, maybe, just maybe, that's the moment we should start looking to see what new thing he might do to rescue us. And if that's true, if that's a possibility, then the question comes down to, will you be ready when he does? It took a lot to get Israel ready to cross the Red Sea. Will you be ready when he does what it is that you need done 
for you. When he's telling you to move forward, but forward seems impossible, what are you going to do to listen to him? And then what are you going to do to be obedient and do what he says to do? I think like the Israelites of the Red Sea, you may find out that it's in the worst moments of your life that you may really understand them to be the greatest moments because that's where God is most powerful. That's where God is getting the most glory. That's where we see him most faithful to deliver us because he knows we can't do it ourselves. The trust part is that if he's going to deliver us, he's going to do it in his way. He's going to do it in his own time. And he's only going to do it for his own glory. So as we step into whatever's in front of us, whatever is before us, it's in those moments we have to say, God, I'm listening. I will obey. And I'll trust you alone. Pray with me. Father, thank you today for this incredible reminder of you doing new things to take care of your people. Somebody listening today, watching this, maybe on a Sunday morning, maybe sometime later in the week, maybe months down the road, I don't know, is stuck right now. And they've been praying for a Red Sea miracle instead of praying to a God who can for them do what only you can do. Help them today to see your presence and your power close by and help them to trust you like they've never trusted you before. God, I know the desperation of what it feels like to be stuck. And I also know what it feels like to be rescued, to be freed. And Lord, I pray for that one who's struggling most today, that they would experience that through their personal relationship with you, Jesus, and your power in their life. We pray this in your name. Amen.